Welcome to EduBlender, a podcast discussing the hot issues in Scottish education. In this episode, we discuss the hot tips in finding your perfect job. We also have our regular features in the news we recommend and inspired by. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook or Pinterest. You can also read our newly redesigned blog at edgeofleather.wordpress.com. We've now redesigned it in line with our features of the show, so there's a section for We, Re- we Recommend. With everything that we've recommended so far, there's a section for Inspired By, as well as a section for all of our main features. Now it's time to focus on In The News in this episode, and the first thing I'm going to share with you is an article from The Test, and it's asking the question, should there be statutory guidance on what accents are acceptable within teaching? And I guess with the importance of literacy and, and promoting that at a teacher level, that's where this question has come about. However, pupils in a study have reported that actually they value the diversity that accents bring from each of their teachers. The next news article we're going to discuss is an article from The Scotsman. And in this article, it states that Scottish comprehensive education is no longer free. Um, The article goes into various points, but the main point being that parents are now accountable for paying for textbooks. They're having to pay for equipment, having to pay for school trips. And actually, what we're saying in this article is that schools are really no longer poverty proofed because parents are having to fork out an awful lot of money in order to get their children through free education. Um, Actually, I think it's really important for all schools to be thinking about how we can poverty-proof schools and how we can ensure that all children are having that same access to education. And our last item is focusing on the national testing of primary one pupils. Um, And there's a suggestion from the Herald Scotland that national testing for P1 people should be scrapped. This is the the Scottish National um, Standardised Assessments that are um, a must for all P1, P4, P7 and S3 pupils. Um, They've been introduced to tackle the literacy and numeracy problem and also provide schools with um, much better data. Although there are questions about whether that's actually going to work at this point in time. And it's Upstart, Upstart Scotland suggested that there's actually no statistical relevance or reliability of this. And actually all it leads to is teaching to the test and greater pupil and parent anxiety. Now it's time for our main feature. And the main feature of this episode, as we've said before, is top tips for finding your next teaching job. Um, our last few episodes, we've had guest speakers on the show, and it's been fantastic. It has, yeah. Lynn, really, thank you again to, to all our speakers that we've had on. Um, but this time you have just me and Jace <laughs> again. And back to uh, basics. Back for by popular demand. I think people <laughs> are saying they need to hear more of our voices. So we're very excited to just, just be the two of us today. Absolutely. Um, and we thought this would be a really relevant issue, a, a really relevant episode. This time of year, people are looking for new jobs. And a lot of people sometimes have a lot of anxieties about finding a job and find it really difficult. So we're going to hopefully try and um, demystify and defog all that and try and think about giving you 10 top tips for finding your next teaching job. And hopefully it will be relevant. Please do add to this conversation. So if you want to add in any tips after you've listened, please let us know via Twitter. But we're going to give you our top 10. This is by no means an exhaustive list, but hopefully it will be 
useful all the same. So, tip number one. I think it's very important that you are very clear with yourself the reasons for finding your new job. So I'd say that's my top tip right off the bat is be clear with the reasons why you are finding a job, why you're looking for a new job. Yeah. And that might be a new challenge, it might be a professional learning opportunity, but I don't think you should just say it just for the sake of it, like there needs to be a reason, doesn't there? Yeah, I think you need to, you need to, obviously you will know, so you'll have an instinct as to why you're looking for a new job, but mm -hmm. I don't, I'd say focus on the positive element of why you're looking for Definitely. a new job, rather than, well, things are just not good for me here, or I'm not enjoying things, or I'm not, actually think about it for you and your development and your professional learning, what is a new job going to do for you that your current job isn't? Yeah, and I guess quite a lot of people go for a new job for a promotion, um, you've got to make sure that job is right for you at the right time. There's no rush for that. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess it's, for me, the, the tip I've always been given is the grass is, or I've heard this, the grass is not always greener. So if you are having a rough time, doesn't mean a new school or a new um, local authority or a new team is yeah. going to be any better, does it? Yeah, and I think that's that's a really valid point because actually a lot of the issues or the worries or problems that people have in jobs are actually national problems you know mm. lots of schools face very very similar problems challenges so it might not be that going to another school will change that but I think it's important for you just to be open and honest with yourself and to have that conversation write it down make it to do a kind of pros and cons list and see if yeah, that helps definitely but actually everything that you make from this point and this is why I think we've gone for it as our top tip is because everything will feed from this point about why mm -hmm. you're wanting to find a new job because actually you're the preparation for your answers, for your questions, everything that you're looking into a new school about will feed off of the reasons why you're looking for a new job. So tip number one, write down and try and distill it into like almost like a sentence, almost like a mission statement about I'm looking for a new job because of this. Mm -hmm. And I think that will really help. Definitely. Number two, where are you going to look? Now you've decided you want a new job, you've got that reason clear in your head, where are you going to look for that job? Well, if it's a local authority job, then for me, the the only place that all this information is, is myjobscotland.gov.uk, if you're you're looking in Scotland. And I think there, there's been a wee bit of press, and there's a petition at the moment for the English system to have a similar style website, mm -hmm. so we're really lucky that it pulls everything together. I guess my only thing would be some local authorities have internal vacancies that, that are based on an internal site, so it's worth checking them out through internal portals. Um, and then the external-based ones, sometimes those are different. So it's worth checking out if you're looking for an internal job or an external opportunity. And sometimes well. on My Job Scotland, it'll actually say for internal candidates mm -hmm. only. So it's also worth when you're looking through and you find a job that might be perfect for you, if you're not within that authority, it might not actually be open to you. So be really careful before you actually start the application process. Definitely. Um, you can also look on Twitter. Twitter's obviously, but we're massive advocates of Twitter. <laughs> we enjoy Twitter a lot. Um, but there is a whole host of uh, career opportunities that come up on a daily basis on Twitter. And if you know the right people to follow, and I would, if you're looking for jobs, I would advise you to take a, uh, take take make use of the Twitter lists function because there's lots of Twitter accounts that only serve as a way of promoting new jobs that are up and coming. Yeah. And if you made a list of all of those accounts to follow you could use that and it would just be a really streamlined process for you trying to find that next job your perfect job definitely the other thing is the times educational supplement or test scotland 
um, that's printed each week. Um, it's generally only for non-promoted posts, so teaching posts, um, and it sorts them at the very back by a local authority. A useful overview just to see what's going on and what's available. Definitely. And I think it would also be, you spoke about internal vacancies there, Jace, but just being aware that a lot of secondment emails, the secondment opportunities come up, so maternity cover or very sort of short-term short term jobs that are professional learning opportunities, they're an excellent way for you to gain experience and working towards that next permanent job mm-hmm. and actually taking that gap from the job that you've got at the moment, if you've got that okay from the person who's your employer at the moment, if you can go to a new school and make a, um, a start at trying to learn before you're actually committing to a permanent job, that's a really good one. So I'd say keep an eye on, on emails that are coming through as well. Um, and with the secondment jobs, actually, they're, they're, they are very much seen as a development opportunity. So Definitely. they're looking for people mm-hmm. to develop. So it might be that you're thinking, actually, I would really like to go for a promoted post, but I'm not, I don't know if I've fully got the experience yet, then the secondment's an excellent opportunity mm-hmm. to go about trying to develop there. And I guess our focus here is on top tips for your next teaching job, but there may be opportunities out there that are not as kind of clearly linked to teaching, but they're still within education. So you might go in and do a a job at Education Scotland, for example, or you might be involved in some sort of job promoting technology, but you're still working within education, or it could be um, teaching in a hospital setting. There's loads of different opportunities out there, and I guess it's just about looking for them, so they'll be in different places and probably be harder to find, yeah. but but no less um, important. Definitely, yeah, useful. Okay, tip, top tip number three. We've sort of entitled this as sort of seeking advice or knowing who to seek advice from. And I think mm-hmm. it's really important that when you're when you're doing the job hunt, you're not just on your own. There's lots of people that, that you can speak to. And actually, we would really strongly advise that you do go and speak to people. And actually, obviously, if you are looking for a new job, you're going to leave a gap and, and yeah. hole from where you're leaving. So I think one of the first things we'd say is, actually be open and upfront with with your boss with mm-hmm. either the head teacher or someone in the senior management team and go and speak to them and explain the reasons why you're looking for something new and ask them for <laughs> advice because actually from experience that is definitely the much mm-hmm. it's it's much more um respectful it's much more honest and it just sets everything off in a much um I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. Do you know it's much more transparent and everyone's open and honest with each other? And I think as well, do you know, I think we're very lucky in education that, you know, when people do want to move on to another challenge or an opportunity, people are very supportive. Like we work in a really supportive um, profession where people don't see it as you're leaving them. You know, people tend to still keep in touch. But I do think, I think that's a really, really strong held belief that I think as a matter of courtesy at the earliest opportunity, even once you've decided to start applying for jobs, I think it would be um, a good idea just to say, look, I'm starting to look to your line manager. And because then, you, you know, education's a small world and people um, do communicate, they chat to each other, head teachers know quite a lot of people, they go to loads of conferences, they talk, and the last thing you want is for people to find out before you've had a chance to, to tell them, I think. 
Definitely. And I think having that integrity to be able to just Absolutely. have that discussion really makes it easier for everybody. And then you'll you'll find that your your management team will probably go out of their way to help you with that. And, and they'll help you prepare for interview questions. That, because the senior management team, your line manager, head teacher, deputy, they're, they're the people that are going through this recruitment process from the other side. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones that know questions that are coming up. They know policy documents to make reference to. So they're a really good fountain of knowledge to go to I would say so that's a really good tip some other people that you might want to seek out uh, could be every local authority will have their own professional learning coordinator so they'll know um, various things that are happening maybe various opportunities um, a good person to get to know especially along the professional learning lines as well it could just be a trusted friend or someone you get on really well with someone to look over your application or for you to bounce ideas off about what do you think about this? Do you think this is right for me? You know, maybe your partner, mm-hmm. you know, someone for you to discuss things with. And I think actually it's a really good thing to speak to someone outside of education because mm-hmm. quite often, and I'm the, the biggest culprit of this, is I get into a mode where I just get into talking about teaching and I get teacher jargon. <laughs> and actually sometimes... Uh, my, my wife will just say you're just talking too much like a teacher at the moment stop it and actually d- distancing yourself from the teacher jargon and acronyms and policy documents and actually thinking about the impact and thinking about what it is that that, that you're wanting to to do and to talk about and to get across if you can say that succinctly that's really important so I think that would be a good bit seek out someone that you trust that actually doesn't know anything about teaching yeah equally I think it's good to have someone really trusted who is in education um, a critical friend, someone who knows you really well, but doesn't just tell you things that you want to hear, mm-hmm. who actually challenges you, who actually poses questions that are going to make you stop and think, because you're going to actually make the best decisions when you've thought this through carefully. I mean, the important thing to remember is you always have a choice in everything you're doing. Do you know, if you're looking for a challenge, you have a choice to go in to do that. If you're not happy in your job, you have a choice. So, I guess that's the important thing. Definitely. And I suppose just the last one on this one, this tip about seeking advice, speaking to people who have just recently gone through interviews is a really good piece of advice, I think, because they obviously know there's there's sort of people in terms of providing interview questions, there's themes that crop up and to do with key policy documents that are fresh at the moment. Mm-hmm. These themes will just permeate throughout lots of interview questions. So if you're speaking to someone who's gone through an interview in the last sort of four or five months, it's a really good idea just to go to them and say, what were some of the themes? Obviously, bear in mind that this takes a lot of time and everyone, it's a very, very busy profession. Everyone's always got lots of stuff to do. But if you find someone, if even just asking for those kind of four or five themes that were coming up, that's not a lot that you can then go away and take those themes and think mm-hmm. about answers to the questions. So someone who's gone through interviews recently is a really good point to go for as well. Okay, on to top tip number four now, and that's about application forms. So most application forms, if you're applying in the public sector, will be on My Job Scotland for all kind of local, local authority-based jobs. If you're applying to the independent sector or jobs out with Scotland, they tend to use CVs or or um, covering letters with applications that are, are just kind of based in kind of Word. Um, there's a few kind of top tips within or general things we can say within applications for qualifications, I would say only to use the ones that are relevant to the application. You know, you don't need to know about your standard grades or yeah. your nationals from way back when you've got a degree 
and, and speaking, in education, like speaking what relevance is that? Goes through <laughs> application forms, I just discount that. I don't look at it because yeah. what's the point? If I assume Not that if you're a qualified teacher, I know that you've got the qualifications yeah. to go through. So don't waste your time. Don't waste the person that you're even higher. I don't even know if hires are relevant anymore because you've got your degree. It's your highest level um, qualifications. Yeah. Obviously, if you have some, you know, other qualifications and maybe like a master's level, then that's relevant to include. So Definitely. anything around that would be important to include. But as a standard rule, I would say um, degree level qualifications. Yeah. And I think actually it's really important that when you're going through the application form, this is this is you trying to get across actually that you understand what they're asking you to mm-hmm. they've they've put these questions in the application form for a reason and they will get inundated with responses so they're mm-hmm. going to have lots of people responding to exactly the same questions so the biggest thing I would say and actually it goes into the questions in the interview as well but it's really important to discuss it here is think about the impact that mm-hmm. you have had because that is where you are going to stand apart and if you're talking about your impact and what you've done to make you unique and the experiences that you've had, that's where you're really going to stand apart from yeah. the others, I think. I, I applied for a job some time ago, a couple of years ago, and one of the um, criteria for it was they then contacted you saying, you've got an interview, but you have essentially 24 hours to pull together a document on the evidence of impact. So wow. everything I'd said in my application... I had to back up with screenshots, with statements from pupils, staff, parents about what I'd said. Um, what a fantastic wow. way, That's but a it was a really tight turn, uh, turn, turnaround so that it put me under pressure. Um, but it avoided people just saying things if they weren't true. Yeah, and actually, again, that leads on to another really good point there in your application form. Don't say anything that isn't true. <laughs> Obviously, you want to make yourself look like the best version of yourself that there is of yeah. course but mm-hmm. you, you can't just make no you can't up. make it up so because you will be found out <laughs> you'll be asked about it and and even if you can sort of bluff your way through it in the interview actually what you need to be able to show that because when you get the job then you, yeah. you'll be out of your deck so actually only say what's true but you should be preparing for application totally. forms by doing all the things that you're wanting to put totally. in and i think that do you know other things like making sure your email address is an appropriate email address to have. Like, this is a professional job application you're completing. Make sure you have an email address that's just your name. You yeah. know, not some nickname you had when you were 17 and you still use the same email address. Hot Create mail, a new man. one. Hot mail, don't <laughs> you? you can't have that. Create a new have one right now. But that's a really... Excellent point, actually, because you can't have a silly email address. There's something that is as professional a job. <laughs> Definitely not. But even spelling mistakes as well, or yeah. grammatical errors, like all these things are so basic. Yeah. But you need to read over your application and make sure that you know it's correct. Because, as you say, some jobs you will get hundreds of applications and you'll just be discounted. Yeah. Because you have to get through them. And that's it. And actually, again, it's sort of very logical point here but just sometimes people might not think about it is actually I would take the questions do it in a Microsoft Word document so that you can save it so that if mm-hmm. the website crashes if anything goes wrong oh, totally. you've also got all that inbuilt grammar function spelling mm-hmm. function you can check it you can send it easier and actually it's much 
it's just a much safer mm-hmm. approach to it. But it's it seems so basic, but in that sort of haste sometimes to apply for a job that you think is perfect and there's a closing date and there's a deadline yeah. and you're tired because you're staying mm-hmm. up after teaching all day to get it done, it is really hard. But it's so important as well because, yes, employers will let you off with a couple. Do you know, you're not going to be hung out to dry if you've yeah. spelled a couple of things wrong. But if it's, if it's littered with spell mistakes or things that don't read very well and don't actually come across like the best version of you, then... Yeah, game's up the pole there. Yeah, you know, you're not going to totally. get past the first one. So. And I guess getting someone to read over, uh, a trusted friend, colleague or relative to read your application and make sure that it's not too teacher um, speak or yeah. make sure that things make sense, that it's clearly showing the impact. Make sure that you've answered the question. Yep. Do you know that you're being asked? Yeah. So important. And I think another point, and I sort of touched on it before, but... If it's, for example, say this is a, a teaching post, a class teacher post. Mm-hmm. Everyone that's going for that is a class teacher and has experience of a class teacher. You, you're not going to get people that don't have that qualification yeah. applying for it. So don't waste precious character count by by going over the basic functions of what a class teacher is. Yeah. There is a, an assumption there that we know what that is, but what have you done that's gone above and beyond? Mm-hmm. What do you do for the learners that are in front of you that is makes you exceptional, that would make you a wonderful member of the team? Because teachers, class teachers... Mm-hmm. Everyone has done the, the, the sort of main functions of what a class teacher is. Do you yeah, know? and with the, the probationer system, everyone's gone through all the kind of professional learning that, in, that entails through that. So yeah, you've got to make sure make sure you stand out, don't yeah, you? Definitely. Um, and a good way to do that to check these things actually is using the standard for registration yeah, and the, the full standard as well. Um, the GTCS standard actually gives you some really good ways to to include. The professional actions and it's a good kind of checklist to make yeah. sure you're covering a number of these things excellent right i think it's high time we move on to tip number five halfway through jace <laughs> this tip is um researching a school before you're going for for a post now i know that sometimes you can be applying for a pool of jobs so you might not know the school you're going for but let's assume that we do know the job mm-hmm. the school that we're going to i think it's incredibly important that you know about that school for a couple of reasons firstly so that you you need to make sure that you're happy going to you're going to be happy working in that school yeah so you need to know that their ethos their approach to learning the mm-hmm. way that they present themselves to the world via their website via mm-hmm. other communication channels you need to make sure that that could be well aligned with where you're sat as a mm-hmm. teacher and what your view of the world is so i think that's incredibly important and and as a cursory thing obviously checking website checking twitter feeds checking to see if they've got facebook pages social media accounts but but also actually drilling in a wee bit deeper as well actually and just doing a bit of a, a, a kind of research about the local area about mm-hmm. the the SIMD index of the children mm-hmm. that, that that attend that school loads of ways that you can research and drill down yeah. into facts and figures. I like to create a wee fact file um on the school I'm, I'm applying to so things like the school role the catchment you know the catchment uh, primary schools mm. Um, what the school improvement priorities are this year, what they were last year, um, what the last inspection was saying, and that might be some you know years ago, but that can still give you just a feel and a flavour for the school, maybe what its challenges are, what its strengths are, um, what the kind of structure of the school is. So, um, is that kind of for secondary? Is it faculty approaches? What the pupil support faculty looks like? 
and what the areas and achievements they're really proud of. And that can give you a really powerful just overview of everything for that school just to yeah. to help you in your preparation for a potential interview. And we're not saying, because I've, I've sat in on interviews before where um, the candidate clearly has done that, but mm-hmm. then they've also tried to regurgitate all that information Yeah, back I'm to not me. suggesting you have to regurgitate it, but you just might not use any good, of it. Uh-huh. But it's just good for you, firstly, to know that you're making a good decision mm-hmm. and you're moving to... So, that, for instance, they might have their uh, behaviour policy up online and you might that might totally not align with what your views mm-hmm. are on, on mm-hmm. the way that we should approach behaviour. So, actually, you might not fit well into that school. Or you might have a school where you've, you're passionate about digital learning and digital technology and they've got huge amounts of that happening and then you would be able to talk about that and see how that aligns with what you're doing so use it sparingly use it cautiously but actually for you for your own benefit make sure you conduct that piece of research first I think a really key way of doing that and I suppose it's, a, it's an interesting one and maybe I'm going to ask your opinion on this but I always like to maybe make some sort of form of communication with the school beforehand mm-hmm. as well because yeah. maybe just ask him for their improvement plan mm-hmm. asking for any documents that might not be up on their website or even organizing a visit to go around and go yeah. for a walk around and i think a lot of schools encourage that as well so even just if you want more information they give you a person to contact and i think that just sets a good impression that you're actually really invested you're really interested in working in the school and it just gives you that personal yeah. link as well and um, I'm not sure it gives you an advantage over someone else because obviously things have to be fair and and transparent. But again, it just makes sure that you're making the right decision because they will make a decision about whether you're right for the job, but you've got to make the decision whether you're right for that school as well. Definitely. Um, And it's coming back to that thing that I said earlier that we all have choices. Yeah. Just because you're offered the job, it's got to be the right job for you. Yeah. And I think, again, I'm you need to make your call on this and actually if if you are the type of person that wants a lot more information that would want to visualize the school and go in and speak to someone and meet to someone and that would make you feel more comfortable going into your interview do it because actually there is nothing wrong with asking that now if the school reacts badly to that and mm-hmm. if they hold that against you then i would say that's not the school that you want to be working mm-hmm. at because you need to make sure you're aligned and yes sometimes there's that pressure of needing to find the next job needing to find the right school but again this is a message that we really want you to take away from this don't rush into things because actually it's a huge part of making sure that your health and well-being is right as well and that things are good for you you don't want to rush into a school that day after day is not right for you so if you want to make that call and make a that form of communication with the school do it and then see what happens after i think Okay, top tip number six, prepare for the job itself. So for this, what we'd suggest is, obviously you would look at the job description, you would look at what specifically do the school want. There may be real, there might be a really clear approach that they are looking for a particular type of person with a particular set of skills to actually support the school so you need to tailor any answers in your interview questions to that whether that's in the interview or in application but it has to be specific to the school so the language you're using make sure you're making reference to the school although you might have used a previous application in the new one you need to try and tailor it to that school maybe linking it in with their school priorities And then you've maybe got some examples of things you've done with the school priorities so that it shows them that you're bringing this set of expertise with you to help them meet their priorities. 
is a, is a good top tip. And I think actually that's that's where it, the research about the school really comes in and, yeah. and looking at the job description. Because if, if you're working in um, a school that has a really significant attainment gap, for instance, mm-hmm. and you've got a lot of experience working in schools similar to that, then you're going to want to talk about that and talk about the experiences that you have that would really contribute to this new job description. But equally, if if you are talking about a school that aren't focusing on digital learning, for instance, you mm-hmm. don't want to spend the whole interview talking about that because then that might not help. Do you know? So yeah, you it might to, switch them off a bit. Exactly. You really want to look at the job description and they'll lay it out very clearly in the job description. Mm-hmm. And if not, again, this is where it comes back into communicating with them. Mm-hmm. Find out exactly what your day-to-day job's going to be. What class do they have in mind for you? If, if in the primary, for instance, is it a primary five class then? What experiences do you have of mm-hmm. working with primary fives? Do they do after-school clubs? Have you got lots of experience doing after-school clubs? Then you can talk about that. But you really need to be specific with what the job is and then go from there. And I think that's that's a really top tip, I would say, definitely. Are we moving on now? I think so, yeah. <laughs> Are we going to go on to top no, top tip number seven? Now, this is, uh, I suppose we could kind of cue the cheesy music for this one. And <laughs> we've we've kind of argued whether this should be a top tip, but I think there's just loads of points that go into this. Uh, it's it's just be yourself. Uh, and I know that's, that, that does sound really vague and unspecific, but it's incredibly important. And I think if somebody was to come to me and say to me, right, who, what type of person? So take mm-hmm. all sort of knowledge, professional learning, everything off the table, like first impressions. What are you wanting from someone when they come into an interview? Well, I'm going to say I want someone who's passionate, enthusiastic, someone that shows that they're really keen and eager mm-hmm. and they want to be a part of my team. Yeah. Well, that's up to you to show that. And you do that within the first three, four minutes, I would say. You can be turned on or turned off to a person within that such a short period of time. I think someone who's confident as well, you know, whether they just go in and they have a certain presence when they come into the room. Um, Someone who's positive, who's smiling, who's who's maybe on the inside is absolutely so nervous, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but they do not show that. Yeah. And it's really easy to say that, but nerves can be a good thing. They can help you. Definitely. Um, and I think this is, again, no, all these things that we're saying here, I think are universal things that actually are never going to be things that turn you off. Now, you could come across as too confident or you could come across yeah. as too positive and then that could lead into being unprofessional. But what we're saying is we want you to be yourself and you want mm-hmm. to know, show them that best version of yourself now that best version of yourself is not someone who forgets things and doesn't know what to say and talks ill of previous employers Mm -hmm. and and sits sort of fiddling with things actually you need to practice that situation if it's something that you are really anxious about so actually sit down and practice that and think about how could I be more positive when I'm speaking to someone how can I make sure my body language is right when I'm going in because it's important definitely and I guess that's where Speaking to someone, getting that support, maybe having a mock interview would be really helpful um, just so that someone can point out some of the things that you maybe do. So do you sit and click a pen or do you sit and like fidget or do you like, you know, are you moving? Are you doing whatever with your, your body that actually shows that you're nervous? You need to be aware of that. Yeah. And a mock interview is a really good way to, to understand this. Definitely. And I think that bit about being yourself as well, if you're someone who does make light of situations if you're someone who obviously enjoys having 
a laugh and a joke and a sense of humour. You want to gauge that with the, the employers. Now, I'm not asking you to start making jokes and saying knock knock because you're going in. But what I'm saying is, I want you to think if you can get on with the person who's interviewing you, you're, you're going to have to get on with them yeah. because you're going to be working with them. So if you, if you can create that environment where they can feel relaxed, because it's a nerve wracking thing actually yeah. doing an interview I do on th- the other side of the table. I do think it's a fine balance though because it's a professional it situation. So you don't want to just have all laughs and jokes actually because it's a serious job it you're is. there for a serious reason so you need to be really careful I think about that yeah. um, but absolutely you're a human being you want to have that demonstration that you have a sense of humour that you are yeah being yourself and I think that's that's incredibly important and again again, just with the, the be yourself uh, this is what we're going to talk about and the, the impact of what clothes you wear whether that can actually have an impact <laughs> I don't know if I can or not but I just speaking for me personally, I think if I want to see someone coming into an interview, again, looking professional, looking mm-hmm. smart, looking, again, they've made an effort to, to, to impress, I suppose. Now, again, I'm not saying there's a whole other podcast here about whether, <laughs> whether if you dress smartly, does that make you a better teacher or not? I, I don't know the ins and outs of that. But you have to come knowing that it is a formal situation. Yeah. It's an interview. And there's an expectation, I suppose, that you will be smartly dressed now again that comes into being comfortable and being yourself don't don't come in in a suit if you never wear a suit but you also have to think about the impression that you're going to be given across to your potential new employer and you need to make sure that that is again the best version of you possible okay top tip number eight now is you showing your awareness of kind of the current policy or professional learning that you've engaged in and the research out there. So this is quite an important one because again, it might not be something that you will be asked about specifically, but it might be something you can drop into an answer. Um, So being aware of, for example, the four national improvement framework priorities. Now they haven't changed for a couple of years now. They should be embedded in every school improvement plan. Mm -hmm. So you need to understand them and also know what work you've done within them because they could form the basis of a question Definitely. you know for example what have you done on improving health and well-being is one of the priorities yeah it's the sort of question that yes it may not come up and you might not need to make specific reference to it in your question but if it comes up and you don't have a yeah. prepared answer for it it's not a good impression <laughs> yeah you need to have a working understanding of it it's a really easy document especially that first bit to understand yeah. those priorities Go and have a look at it, look mm-hmm. at them and try and map things that you have done to those priorities yeah. to see. Just because even just a, a quick reference to them will show that you have an awareness and you've got your finger on the pulse, as it were. Mm-hmm. We mentioned earlier the, the GTCS standards is a good kind of go-to place. Again, I don't think you need to know them inside out, but you need to have an awareness of them in terms of the broad three themes that are coming out because they will help you prepare for possible questions. You're never, ever going to know, or maybe you will, um, what questions Mm. you're going to be asked in advance. But you can prepare in terms of broad themes. Yeah. So the GTCS standards are a really good starting point. But Jude and I have discussed that probably the best document to use is how good is our school? Because it's split up into the three broad areas 
and then it has a quality indicator for each one. Yeah, it's basically a roadmap for your interview. I think yeah. you'd struggle to get an interview question that doesn't fit in somewhere within the quality mm-hmm. indicators that are found within yeah. the Good Desire School. So you can look at the job. So if you know that you're going to have a responsibility for support for learning, for instance, mm-hmm. there is a quality indicator that's specific to personalised support. So it would be a great section to go to. It has challenge questions. Mm-hmm. It's got areas of good practice, ideas of what what an excellent school would be looking like mm-hmm. in that situation. So you need to look through that and think about right, what is it that, that you have done that fits within that and then be able to talk about it within that framework. And it just really helps you think about framing your answers in that way within national policy without sounding like you're just regurgitating yeah. titles of documents. It's and actually really useful and practical. Definitely. And, and also in terms of themes, um, which we'll come on to in a minute, you know, you you know you're going to be asked some sort of question about learning and teaching. There's a whole section in there on learning, teaching, and assessment. So, you know, what does that look like? What does excellent learning, teaching, and assessment look like? You've pretty much got your your model answer there for you if you look at the highly effective practice. Yeah. Do you know, so and use Higgias. It's a really useful definitely. Tool. And I would say that actually, and school leaders are using that document more, and it is sort of filtering down and. Uh, Everyone in the school community will be becoming more and more aware of that, but more so at the moment, school leaders are using that because it forms the basis of a, uh, almost everything, everything that you're doing within school. So if you show that you have an awareness of that document, it's going to chime in well with the people who are interviewing you because they're intimately aware of that document. So it's just good to be talking the same language, I think. Totally. What I like to do with, with this one is I like to pull together all the kind of relevant policy documents and maybe books or, or things that are going to help me again having that awareness of the bigger picture so if I'm going for a, a pupil support job I'm going to be pulling together things like child protection guidelines I'm going to be looking at GERFEC I'm going to be looking at Higgias I'm going to be looking at the NIF I'm going to be looking at anything else maybe around closing the attainment gap mm-hmm. any relevant documents that are out there so that I'm almost completing like a literature review of, yeah. of the of the national picture. And again, I'm doing that once. That's helping my professional learning, but it's also making sure I can use it again if I'm not successful. So I can just keep adding to keep it adding to, to it, make yeah. sure I'm current with my, my thinking. So it's a really good tip to, to look at that. And although it feels like this is a lot of time and effort, it will pay off. Yeah, and and that literature review, as you say, it's developing you as a professional as well because that's not just these aren't just based on interview questions. These are policy documents that should be forming mm-hmm. the basis of what you're doing every single day anyway. So actually, it's two birds and one stone. I definitely, <laughs> definitely. Okay, moving on to top tip number nine, um, and this one's just about questions in general. Um, mm-hmm. I think because obviously there are questions that will form the basis of your interview, but then you're also offered that opportunity to talk about questions at the end. So this 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 point I would say is actually be thinking about um the way that you structure your answers mm-hmm. to, to to questions. Um and if I, I like to have a this framework in mind that I can prepare these I call them stars. I'm sure lots mm-hmm. of different people have different mm-hmm. techniques, but this is what I do. So star is an acronym, so it stands for the situation, the task, the action and the result. So if you're asked any question, if you form that, if you have a star in your head, so if mm-hmm. you go through, st- or <laughs> clearly a primary teaching, <laughs> but if you go through, right, okay, so this is the situation, 
this is the task, this is what I was formed mm-hmm. with, this is what I had to do, uh, this is what I did, and the resulting impact of it was this. And mm-hmm. that just really, if, if you've got a go-to framework, when any question is asked, you, you take out that rabbit in the headlights moment, yeah. and immediately you've got, right, okay, well, I don't know the answer to this, but I'm going to go to my framework of STAR, this is how I'm going to form this answer, and it saves you blethering off for ages you know totally. you can structure it and you've got a starting point and an end point and I think having whatever works for you that works mm-hmm. for me you might find a different a different structure in your mm-hmm. own head but that just gives you that framework to start from definitely and I think no you mentioned impact they're so important mm-hmm. and I think you've got to think about the impact on pupils the impact on parents and staff you know those kind of three areas for me are really important and yeah. you can you can really attribute any question to the impact on those groups of people. Yeah. Um, but I think structuring your answer is definitely one of the top tips, you know, making sure that you are actually answering the question, that you're not just going off a tangent because it's really about you getting points on the board, isn't it? You yeah. need to be saying the right things in a structured way and you're getting certain points for that answer Basically. so that it's fair across the board. So you need to come across like you've thought about it and, you, and you've and you actually pulled it together. My wife does a really good thing, actually, when she goes for interviews, is she writes down the question. Um, and you, you might think, oh, why would you do that? But actually, it's a really controlled way of writing the question. And it just shows that you are, you're able to control a situation you go in, but also it helps you to remember what the focus of the question is. Yeah. Because it can be so easy just to go off at a tangent. Um, so taking a notepad, write down the question. You don't have to ask; just do it. You're not right. You're not taking in your notes with you, but you're writing the question, and then you've got a note of it later on. I think that's a really good tip, and it just shows that again that you're the person that has control over situations. That it also saves that thing that quite often will happen in interviews when people are nervous is that they'll they'll answer a question and they'll keep going and keep going and keep mm-hmm. going and they'll get to a point and they'll just say and is that is that enough if I yeah, answered yeah. your question <laughs> and actually if, imagine if you were writing an essay and you're forming your answer that way that you're yeah. given a balanced approach and you're coming to a conclusion it would be writing an essay without that conclusion and having yeah. that question in front of you just mm-hmm. helps you just say almost repeating the question and say yeah. so that is how I have raised attainment in my question <laughs> and that's just a nice way yeah. Just bringing just it all to a close, it, definitely. rather than having this kind of just ellipsis at the end where it's yeah. just silence and then waiting for the next question. Do you know, and I think you need to also prepare yourself that interviews are going to be different as well. Yeah. So I think gone are the days where you just go to an interview and you're asked six questions and that's it. You might also have a pupil interview and an interview by the head teacher and a, mm-hmm. a deputy. You might also have... Um, an observed lesson where someone's watching you teach you might also have some sort of professional dialogue with other colleagues so that you're being tested on that so you may get some kind of real informal questions like I don't know if you were going to be a superhero what superhero would you be and that tells them a wee bit about you so you need to think (laughs) (laughs) you need to really think about what you're going into and know the interview structure as well so that you can prepare yourself for kind of broad themes. So what what would you recommend in terms of broad themes? We've already mentioned learning and teaching. Yeah, learning and teaching is the main one, I would say. Obviously, at any point, you have to show a good awareness of learning and teaching. You have to show that you have an awareness of the policy documents that fit into that. I think another um, key question that is going to come up within a Scottish 
Scottish context, sorry, I'm remembering my T's, <laughs> is raising attainment. What do you do to yeah. raise attainment? And that's where you really get into the wider life. So not just the sort of bread and butter of mm. a classroom teacher. It's actually what else are you doing that is showing that you've got an awareness of tracking and monitoring and mm-hmm. evidence-based approaches and how are you closing the attainment gap? Mm-hmm. Because that is a, a national agenda and it's something that you really will be asked at some point. You would hope so. And I think yeah. going back to the National Improvement Framework, you almost have your questions there, you know, focus on maybe the responsibilities for all, so literacy, numeracy, health and well-being. You might be asked about different parts of the curriculum, so, you know, digital technologies, if that's an area of focus for the yeah. school at the time, so doing your research might help you come up with some of these themes. Mm-hmm. I think, undoubtedly, you're always going to be asked about what your skills and qualities are as well, so you should prepare that. You should almost have that one in the back before yeah. you go in. Yeah, and that's, again, maybe coming back to that, the danger of that one is don't just prepare an answer for that one. No. Make sure it fits into the question that they're asking. But if they don't ask you about you, then you're, that's an odd interview, I mm. would say. So have exactly what makes you you, what makes you unique, and have that skills, qualities, attributes question mm. prepared to a certain extent. I think there's also going to be, and again, just kind of going back to our episode, and you can catch it now on SoundCloud, about teacher <laughs> leadership. It's actually, they're... they're Teacher leadership and that agency that you have as a leader, mm-hmm. um, even if you're not going for a promoted post, you have to think about what you've done. So some area or project or topic that you've taken leadership over, mm-hmm. I think shows, a, if you're preparing an answer around that theme, mm-hmm. it shows a lot. And it actually shows that would really make you stand out if you have an awareness of that. Definitely. And I think, that, you know, when you're answering a question in an interview, it's not just about the theory of it as well. You know, you can answer an amazing um give an amazing answer um, to a question. But if it just tells them what the theory of it is and not actually what you have done, the practice and the examples from your practice, then you're not going to stand out against someone else. Anyone can tell you what learning and teaching looks like, but you want to get across that you actually practice this on a daily basis. Yeah, and you you really can't fake that. And that's in in my kind of star approach to things that action that is the bit where you really go into what did you do what have you done and it might be even a case of what would you like to do so a situation that's that's happened that you might think well actually in future I would like to do this or I would I've done a little bit of this but I would like to do even more so that's it it's good to think about it that way that it's it's always be forward thinking Mm -hmm. as well I think definitely Um, and our final uh, top tip for getting your next teaching job is Save everything you've done so you can use it again. Now, you might think, why are we being overly pessimistic? Of course you're going to get the first job you go for. You've put in all that effort. (laughs) You've listened to this episode. (laughs) (laughs) But actually, that information can help you in three, four, five years' time. The Mm -hmm. structure, you just go in and look at that and you add to it. Yeah. you know for that next job so you don't waste the effort you've put in there yeah because as we say a lot of these um, themes that come up are, are they come up time and time again mm-hmm. so yes you'll be able to add into that but if mm-hmm. you've got a document that almost like a rolling log of your development it, it, it serves multiple purposes Do you know it's really good for um, professional development keeping a track of that it's really good mm-hmm. for just reflecting on your career goals and where you want to go and trying to think about but also thinking about 
your next job and mm-hmm. trying to go for that. It will really help for that. And saving that in a really accessible way, not just on flimsy bits of paper that are saved everywhere. Actually, yeah. having a folder, a file, if that's electronically, if that's actually a paper copy of things, which however you organise yourself, make sure that it's all in one place and it's accessible because also you can feed it forward. You know, you can give that advice to people that mm-hmm. are looking for jobs as well. And it's all about the people you've asked for help in your journey on this. Giving help, giving help back as well is a really, really good um, thing to be doing. I think it's just a nice, honest thing. Totally, and that's why I said about the profession, it's a really supportive profession. People want to help you. So save all your stuff so that your hard work pays off later on. Excellent. And that was top 10 tips for finding your next teaching job. Okay, now it's time for Inspired By... And this is where we bring a bigger idea to you that takes a wee bit more time to plan um, in order for you to introduce. So this episode is going to focus on something that Jude has been working on. So Jude, tell us about it. Yeah, so I suppose the thing that I'm pointing people towards is the Pivotal podcast. Um, this is a podcast by Pivotal, who are uh, they're behaviour management experts, I suppose. And okay. actually, Paul Dix, who uh, has written the best-selling book when the adults change everything changes just last year he's behind pivotal he's a he's a big part of pivotal i don't know what his title is and i would give him a promotion if i'm saying he's the manager or whatever but he's very much involved he wrote the book so what's so Um, good about this book and this podcast so i think for me that the the podcast really takes and it really articulates thoughts that i've been having about behaviour management as it were and I don't okay. don't know how I have a feel like even about that term okay. but actually it's just about and this is a really sort of big wide view on things but it all comes down to sort of your pedagogy and how you view children and mm-hmm. actually for me I very much in everything that I do view children as people they are they are people who have rights who are equal of course, who are, and yeah. it's they're not apprentices almost you know they're Mm -hmm. not people that I'm trying to shape and mold into my way of thinking that I want them to be compliant to me and the way that I view education for me anyway and the way that I approach things it's not this hierarchical sort of top-down approach to things that I'm looking for people children just to sort of respect me because I am their teacher actually Mm -hmm. it's we're all working together and it's about building relationships and this podcast and this book very much takes that view and actually listening to it it so much of it rings true with my beliefs and it's sure. actually brilliant they've got lots of speakers on who believe exactly the same thing and it's about talking about ways about managing behavior or actually understanding behavior they like to call it behavior understanding rather than behavior management and understanding that there's this whole host of reasons for for young people behaving and actually they're communicating things whenever they're behaving in a certain way and it's easy for teachers to to say well that's not showing me respect, that's not the way I want it, and therefore I'm going to enforce punitive measures to make sure that they can, and actually this whole approach is about doing it in a completely different way, coming from a a way of understanding Mm -hmm. rather than seeking control and compliance, and it's just fantastic. So you'd recommend that people download the podcast, Pivotal Podcast, and we'll put our link on our website, and also you'd recommend that they, they buy the book, 
by the book as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, what the book does, it goes into loads of really practical ideas for how you can go about doing this as well. And, okay. and Pivotal, so I think, are, are an organisation. Part of what they do is are these free weekly podcasts. Okay. And I think there, there's over 200 of them now. So there's so many to, yeah. to listen to and all just fantastic. But the book, I think, goes into these real practical terms and bits of advice as well that you can do to, to promote this really sort of shared understanding across the whole school community about approaching behaviour in, in a different way to what is, I would say, maybe a traditional way of mm-hmm. viewing behaviour management mm-hmm. in a school. So um, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you get something from it. Definitely, I've got something from the from the podcast. So check out the podcast, check out the book um, if you haven't already, and let us know what you think. Thanks, Jude. Our next feature is We Recommend. So, Jace, what are you going to recommend for us this episode? So, this episode, we're actually going to focus on Bloomsbury's 100 Ideas series. So, there's um, our friends at Bloomsbury have provided us with some sample books. Um, They've sent us 100 Ideas for Secondary Teachers and 100 Ideas for Primary Teachers, um, focusing specifically on supporting EL learners. Um, But there's a number of different books within the series. Um, So for example, within the secondary series, there's a focus on outstanding lessons, there's a focus on gifted and talented, managing behaviour, assessment for learning, and there's also a range of subject-related 100 ideas book. What's in the primary well, just great. And actually, I'm, as I'm looking down the list here, I'm thinking, I'll buy that one. And I'll buy that one. <laughs> and I want that. So there's 100 Ideas for Developing Thinking Skills, which is actually a book that I would love to have written. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, developing Thinking Skills, uh, for Transition to Secondary School, for Computing, for Coding, for Interventions, uh, Mindfulness in the Classroom. What I think in the, the format of, of all the books that come within this series is that it's one idea per page. Yeah. It's, it's almost... A5 book, um, mm-hmm. really easy to digest. It's the sort of thing that you would have in the classroom for a specific area that you're wanting to focus on and think, right, okay, I'm going to flip to a random page almost and, think, and right. dip into it. Uh-huh. And that's just excellent for really sort of busy professionals that are, don't have the time to read a whole book. And I think for me, that is going to make me pick up a book if it's really accessible, if it's short, sharp, it gives you links to, to examples of things that have been done, it gives you suggestions in bullet points really really easy because as you say everyone's really busy mm-hmm. and you want something you can just dip into and use it again tomorrow and that's the whole idea of our we recommend um feature isn't it something exactly. you can do tomorrow in your class if you have the book yeah so make sure you check out the 100 ideas section uh, series from bloomsbury and you'll see a link on our we recommend page on edubleather.wordpress.com Well, that's us coming to the end of episode six now on the top tips for getting your next teaching job. I can't believe we're at episode six. I know. Um, as ever, you can follow us on Twitter at EduBleather and check out our website, uh, which has loads more content, um, edubleather.wordpress.com. We've recently redesigned it, so it's much easier to, to access um, with tiles for each section. Um, we've got a listen to page, we've got a connect where you can get in touch with us and link to our, our various other platforms. We've got Pinterest, we've got Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, the lot, you name it. Um, we've also got various tags to help you find book recommendations that we've got, app recommendations, or various categories or topics that we talk about. 
Um, so it's a really, really good website, even if I do say so myself. <laughs> yeah, enjoy it. yeah, it's really good. And much easier to navigate. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think it's also good to say there that actually we're, we're pretty much edubleather at everything. So if you're looking yeah. for, if, if you really like Pinterest, if you really like Twitter or Instagram, we're edubleather everywhere. So yeah. it's, it's easy enough to find us. Um, and as you said, this is episode six. So we've been doing this for almost six months now, actually, when it comes to recording the podcasts. And we're, we're enjoying it as much as we, we did when we started. We're, we're blown away. We've reached over... Um, 1,126. I had to change that figure because <laughs> we've had two listens since the start of recording this show, but 1,126 listens over the five episodes. So thank you so much to everyone who's listened, to everyone who's communicated and got in touch with us and shown us your support. We really, really appreciate that. Um, we're going to ask for more support though. Could you please, if you are uh, liking the show, if you're sharing it with friends and things, that's great. But if you could also please just rate us and leave a comment on iTunes. It does a lot for the stats within iTunes and really kind of increases our visibility within that forum there. So if you could just leave a quick review, um, only if you liked it though. Um, <laughs> no one star reviews, please. Um, but yeah, if you could rate it, that would be fantastic. So thanks again for listening and so we will speak to you at the next episode. Thank you.